Good morning. I'll get this down just a little bit so you can see there's actually somebody up here. It's good to be in the house of God today. Thank God for another time, another privilege that he's allowed us. We can come together in the camp meeting, enjoy the fellowship and the blessings that God has allowed uh, us to enjoy. We got in last night a little bit late. I was traveling with a whole herd, and we, we had stopped the kids. I think every time they see a service station, they think you have to stop and go to the bathroom. <laughs> no, it's not that bad. But anyway, we got here. We thank God. It's good to have a wife and daughter and grandchildren, three or four grandchildren. We thank God for each one. I don't know where to begin. I, I've been so blessed this morning by being here, sitting to listen to the beautiful singing and, and uh, enjoying the fellowship of God's Spirit. Surely we appreciate all of that. We thank God for each one. I want to say that I appreciate Brother Tony and whoever's involved in inviting me. If you can say that's a, to be appreciated. I, I was thinking that I, I just, and this is absolute truth, I just like to go and sit. And I know that there's slots that need to be filled. But it's good to listen. And I appreciate the brethren that stand here to declare the word of God because we need the word of God. And we went an hour when the enemy of souls would steal every good thing away if he could. But I'm glad that God's word is sure. I, I was having a thought today, all this good singing. And I never thought of this just like I did this morning. I was sitting there. And I thought, you know, I, I don't know what, I don't know whether people in heaven ever get a chance to look down or not. But I was thinking about my dear old daddy. And uh, for uh, what reason, I don't know. I just, while I was sitting there, he, he left this world. He, he'd had an accident when he was a young man, lost one of his legs. And... Uh, I was thinking about him. If he's looking down today, he's got two good legs. And he's probably hopping around up there somewhere, looking down on all the things that's going on. God is so good, so wonderful. And I, I just love him this morning. He's been everything to me. And uh, I once again desire your prayers. Uh, that God will help us this morning. If you have your Bible, turn to Jude, the book of Jude. We're going to read four verses. It's really good to see everyone. I can't just name names, but some of the brethren haven't seen for a year or so. It's really good to see Sister Sarah here, see her able to be here. I was privileged to hear her speak while we were still yet at home. Appreciated her message as always. I have uh, 
something on my heart. I, as I was studying this, I never, I've preached from these scriptures different times, but I saw something that I had not seen before as I looked at it. Uh, it struck me in a way that I had, that I had not previously noticed, and I hope to share just a few thoughts with you uh, this morning in Jude, beginning in verse number one. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, we just want to pause for another moment and give thanks to you for this camp meeting. Thank you for all the ones that labor, of course, the people that are working even while we're here enjoying the service right now. And I pray for strength and guidance. And we pray, Lord, that each service, every hour of speaking, Every song, whatever's done, let it be for the glory of God. We thank you for the good that has already been accomplished. We give you the glory. We recognize that every good thing comes from above. We cannot generate anything. All that we can do, all that we can hope to do is be humble servants. And we ask God this morning that your anointing would rest upon us in such a way that we may speak what you would have us to speak. We're not looking for it to be easy. We're not, whatever you decide, whichever way it goes, it's fine with us. We just want to please you. And I'm asking that you would open up their, our hearts and our ears together. Help us to get whatever it is that you intend us to receive by being here. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look down, and I'm not going to preach on this particular point, but if you look in verse number three, Jude says that he is writing to encourage, or he used, we have the English word exhort, to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered. Now, I'm not going to, I'm going to preach on something else. I'm going to talk about grace and the abuse of grace this morning by the help of God, and I trust your prayers. But if you notice what Jude says, he is writing for the purpose to encourage the people of God in his day, and certainly in our day as well, that we should earnestly contend for the faith. And then he does not stop, he said, which was once delivered. 
Now, I'm not going to belabor the point, and I probably won't get back to it, but I'd just like to say that the faith was just delivered once. It doesn't make any difference how many funny little stories you hear about somebody digging up something over in New York or anywhere else. The faith has been delivered one time. This book is sealed and signed and delivered. Thank God. Amen. And it'll stand the test of time and eternity. The faith has been delivered once. And if we preach what is determined by the word of God to be the faith of the Bible, then we will be preaching things that have been preached for hundreds and hundreds of years. We don't need anything new. We've got everything that we need to uh, proclaim the message of God to a lost and dying world. Now, I want to I talk to you for a little while. And uh, I always say a little while so it makes it easier when you first start. People say, oh, well, this guy just preached a moment and we're going to eat right away. So it is a little while and then there'll be another little while. Then another little while until we get to the end of it. We'll get there by the grace of God. Uh, I, I want to talk to you on the abuse, the abuse of the grace of God. From the Garden of Eden, men have tried to hide their sin. As you well know the story of Adam's transgression along with his wife. And uh, from that time, men have tried to hide their sin. They've tried to cover their sin. They have tried to blame somebody else for their sin. Now, sin is a, sin is a particular thing. As I was studying this and I was meditating about, uh, about that particular thought, I, it came to me that uh, Adam had not sinned until he sinned, right? I mean, he, he, wasn't just, he wasn't born in some kind of wrongdoing. Just, he was just brought into the world rebellious and, and acting up all the time. There was a point when, when Adam was right with God, of course, in the garden, obeying God, having fellowship with God. The word indicates that. And then there was another point where Adam transgressed, stepped over the line, went further than God wanted him to go. And all at once, all at once, God didn't have to tell Adam. All at once, Adam himself knew that he was in trouble with God. Now, the Bible says when God made man, he made man in his own image. After his own likeness, the word of God says that God created man. Now, I'm not here to give you any kind of a, a lesson on, on creation, but I'd just like to go on record again. Thank God is saying that I believe the Bible. I'm, I have a change. I've changed some things, but I still believe the word of God and I know that God made man in his own likeness after his own image, thank God. And that man, the Bible said, became a living soul. Amen. And then the word of God lets us know that God gave Adam just one thing to leave alone. And Adam would not obey God. Amen. He just had one thing. And I always have to add this. Today we say well, there's so many temptations. There's so many things. Everywhere you go, there's something wrong. There's no way for us to keep from doing wrong. 
If we were like Adam, there's just one thing in the whole wide world that was wrong, we'd find it if we wasn't right with God and indulge in it because that would be our nature. It's not, it's not because there's a million things to do. It's because we are what we are apart from God. So Adam, Adam got in trouble with God and, and uh, he, uh, he, of course, tried to hide his sin, tried to blame Eve and, and uh, on and on. So, and, and from that, my point is this, from that time until now, things have not really changed. Amen. When people sin, originally, most people, when they sin, they know they've sinned. Amen. Nobody have to come around and say there's something happens to you when you start doing wrong. There's something happens on the inside of you and you start feeling a certain way. Amen. Now, I know that you can, you can go wrong. You can go in the wrong direction so far that probably you would get where, as the technical people say, you have no compunction of conscience. You, you don't feel anything. You just, you just do wrong and, and, uh, and you don't feel bad at all. And then there's the possibility, which is uh, altogether something else, but there is a possibility of God getting so uh, put out with us, so to speak, that he turns somebody over to a reprobate mind. Now, I'm, I, I, there's too many things to try to preach on, but I can tell you that you are living in a generation of people who have been turned over to a reprobate mind. That's why there's so much... I've got to be careful. I'm not in Clay City. There's so much crazy stuff. I thought after I preached Sunday morning, I had to make a little video, you know, while you're preaching, and then send it out. And I thought, my Lord, if people going to, I ain't no telling what they'll do to me after the way I preach Sunday morning. I mean, that's all. I, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm telling the absolute truth. I'm dancing on the edge of taking that camera away because I say things that don't need to go nowhere except right there in that little building. That's all it needs to go. It don't need to go nowhere else because it don't involve nobody else. But, but anyway, the, the, we, this is why people are acting so crazy. This is why folks, are, we, we see so many things that we can't explain. And there's people that they really can't tell. They really cannot tell right from wrong. And they make all these awful decisions that's disrupting families and communities and even our entire country. So things, things have not changed much from the days of Adam until right now. But I'm glad, thank God, that there is a remedy. And I'll talk to you about that in just a few moments. We're, we are, we've, we've come to a place, and I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of foundationing at the moment. We have come to the place now where that we, we not only, we're not only try to hide our sin, uh, we not only try to cover our sin, we, we deny our sin, and also we rename our sin. We, we, if we can get the right name on it, we can get it, we can make if we can make it sound good enough, it won't seem quite so bad. So I'm not going to rename everything or go through all of that. But you know what I'm talking about, and that's what I want to preach to you about this morning. Is this awful problem that's coming in the church, and and I don't know how I don't know how that we could in the church of God how how can we be exempt. How, how could our fellowship be exempt 
when, when we stand on the outside and we look and say, oh, this group here, look what has happened to them. And this group here, look what happened to them. And look at this other group, what happened to them. Well, many of those groups were one time what would be termed holiness type organizations, movements, etc. And something happened. Something went wrong. I didn't write it down, but it came to my mind while I was studying. There's a book. Uh, some of you know who C.E.O. was. He's long gone. C.E.O. wrote a book. I don't know how many books, but one book he wrote on holiness. And C.E.O. made the statement. He said the hardest thing in the world to do is to get holiness people to live holy. Uh, we, we claim to be a holiness organization, right? And sometimes that just means we're stubborn, you know. I mean, that could be anything. That, 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 don't, that really does not say much. We say, oh, well, we're holiness people. Well, we don't have no program. Well, some, I've been someplace, you ought to get a program. <laughs> Such chaos. Amen. Irreverence, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Wouldn't hurt nothing to have a little program in some places. But we're holiness people. We believe in the Holy Ghost leading us. Amen. So whatever the Holy Ghost wants to do, the Holy Ghost just does. And everybody has to stand back and say, go at it, Holy Ghost. And sometimes it disrupts everything. I've been sitting on platforms, you have too, with preachers. And you've sat in the audience and watched people, preachers moan and groan over crazy things that's going on in the congregation under the, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. When it's the Holy Ghost, it'll be right, it'll be good, it'll be helpful. Amen. It won't be confusing, it won't be disruptive, thank God. It'll be free-flowing in love. It'll set the stage, thank God, for everything that God wants to do in that particular time. Amen. Now, let's, let's look at this just a little bit. Uh, and see if we can if we can just draw some some conclusions about where we are today. I want to talk to you. I I've studied, and it doesn't make any difference to you. And you 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 may take the attitude I wasted my time, but I have studied literally. There's some things that I've spent a lot of time studying. I've spent literally years. No exaggeration. I've spent years searching the Word of God gathering material, all kinds of books, people that I like, people that I don't like. Uh, and I, I've, I've literally spent years studying on the grace of God. I want to be sure. I, I, I just say this. I am not scared of anything I believe. I'm not, I'm not at all frightened. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I'll change quickly if I'm wrong. So I spent a lot of time studying on the grace of God. The grace of God is a wonderful thing. I love the song that says amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, you know the song, but now I see Saved a wretch like me. We did not deserve it. We could not earn it. We didn't have anything coming our way. I heard somebody say just the other day, God owes everybody. 
God owes everybody uh, one. God has to invite you. I forget how they said it. I hope you ain't sitting here. You stand up and tell me how you said it. <laughs> but I, heard some, I heard somebody say, well, you know, God owes everybody one, one opportunity. Where in the name of heaven did we ever get that from? How, how can you say God owes you anything? How can it be grace if God owes you? It cannot be grace and, and God owing you something. If it's grace, it's grace. Amen. It has nothing to do with your works or your thoughts or your pedigree or anything else. If it's grace, it's grace. God does not owe us anything. Amen. We are blessed today. God's amazing grace has saved a wretch like me. God didn't have to save you. Could have let you go right on living like a wild whatever you was. God could have just stood back and let you go, but he did not. Thank God he came knocking at your door. God showed you yourself and God drew you to himself with cords of love, the Bible says. So it's the grace of God. It's the grace of God that brings us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I know that you know it, but Jude's writing to the church, and since he's writing to the church, I think the church ought to pay attention, don't you? Amen? Jude is writing to the church, and we need to listen. You know, he warns the church. We, you know, one, I was at the cemetery in Clay City some years ago, a couple of uh, one one local pastor, maybe some visiting pastor. I'm not sure about him. But we were at the grave. Everybody's gone, and and the brother said, "Well, he said, you know, he said if we just get everybody saved, all of our work would be over with. Uh, we could if we could just get everybody saved. Well, how many of you saved here? You, I don't raise your hand, but <laughs> we ain't got time, brother. But if he say, well, the work's over with, well, then all of you that's saved gone out, and I'll talk to the two that's left. <laughs> no, the work's not done when you get saved. Amen. Amen? Living for God, as you well know, is like getting married. It's like saying I do. The easiest thing you've ever done in your life. <laughs> When it comes to being married, the easiest thing you ever did in the marriage is say, I do. <laughs> My wife's over there, so I'm preaching over here for a while. <laughs> so, you know, from, from I do, <laughs> from I do until the end of it, there's a whole lot of changes made. And they long until you start saying, I will. Yes, ma'am. You learn new phrases as you go along. It's not a way of living for God, isn't it? We, we just say, I do to the Lord. We don't know much. Most of us didn't know hardly anything. Amen. But God began to deal with us and draw us to himself and, and to reveal his word and his love to us. And thank God uh, we can make progress in our Walk with him. Now, so Jude says here that there will be false teachers that will creep in among the people of God. There are some things, and, and Jude warns against what they're, what they're going to be teaching, and I want, to, I want to warn about what they're doing. 
not what they're teaching. I'm not going to preach on false teachings that I know of, but I, I, want to, I want to bring out the thought of what these people were doing. They were doing something. And so Jude is warning against the teaching that uh, these people are going to uh, be bringing in. Now, can I say this morning without you thinking I backslid that, 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 that every, there are some things that don't matter. There's, there's some things that just don't matter. There's some things that you can't back up by the word of God unless you twist it. You know, for you, <laughs> I know where I'm at. I know who you are. I know how to tiptoe. <laughs> I'm not sitting at Clay City. But for years, for years, we, we took the word of God and made it fit us. What is it for everybody? That's us. That's us. That's us talking about us. Look at us. Us, 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 us. And, we, and we, we developed a lot of teachings that had no biblical foundation. Now, I'm not, I don't get scared. I'm not, I'm not going to get into nothing. I just dance on the edge. You can get into it without me helping you. But we, we developed a lot of ideas. Well, you know, if you, if you go way, way back past us, Go way on back. I mean, the fuss about, for instance, now I'm not, God help us, I didn't want to get into this. They fuss about feathers in people's hats. And, and, then, and then we come along, and I ain't going to miss nothing else. We come along and we added all kind of crazy things to it and divide the people of God and bust up the family of God and we had families, had families, my own family. I've had my, I have one of my sisters that loved God with all of her heart and she, she looked at me one many years ago. She said, you have no right. You have no right by the word of God. You have no right. And she was, uh, she was a little bit less than, than being friendly at the moment. But she, she let me know, looking straight at me, you have no right to put that on us. And she wasn't even in my church. I don't know what she'd done if I'd have been her pastor. But <laughs> So we develop a lot of stuff that has divided. Right? It's okay, brothers? We all right so far? Now, What we need, I, I, I had a, I had a seven-day Adventist, one of the nicest young men I ever seen, came to my house the other day, and and I, I had bought a, a big dump load of wood chips. For my garden, I got a garden about as big as that altar, so I need a big dump truck load. Of it. <laughs> I'm gonna cover that stuff up. It's going to be 10 foot deep. Ain't no weeds going to grow in my garden. <laughs> but we, we were talking. He got ready to leave. He said, I want, to give you, see, I want to give you some material. I said, okay, I knew. I knew what was coming. He gave me a book. I said, man, I, I, they, they've sent me that book. I already know 
And I just gave it back to him. I said, I, I don't need that. You know, I know, I know. And, but anyway, we got to talking, and he did give me a couple magazines. I'm not against the seven-day Adventists. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not against them at all. But he gave me, he gave me a, 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 some magazines, and I, I told him, I said, listen, I said, what, what really, and I know that you believe this, I said, what really matters is that you understand you're lost, you repent to the Lord Jesus Christ. He, and I went through a few things, and he said, that's right. And I said, I said, uh, I said that, that, that's the thing that really counts. There's a lot of stuff that don't count. Right? I mean, you can fuss. God help us, you young preachers. I thought about Brother Brad a while ago. I probably ought to apologize to him publicly. I sometimes talk to him like he's my boy. And I guess he goes away and says, who's that old man think he is? <laughs> but I just tell him what I think. And, and he's such a nice guy. Super, super, super. I love Brad with all my heart. So, Brad, don't go away thinking I'm crazy. But, uh, so I was talking to this young man, and I said, I said this, is how, this is how we, this is where we are. And he said, you know, he said, my father has always said this, keep the main thing the main thing. I said, that's exactly right. That's it. Amen. Keep the main thing. Now, if it's in the Word of God, what in the world am I doing? If it's in the Word of God, it's okay to preach it. But if you've got to, if you have, you got to understand thirteen foreign languages and all kind of thing to be able to develop something, you better kind of leave it alone and 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 go on and preach the Word of God. Jude said, Jude said that we are to stick to the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. Now that's, that's, that's where I'm at. You want to know how I believe? You want to know what I think about this thing? Ask me anything under the sun after church, but don't interrupt me while I'm preaching because I'll lose my track and then I'll never get back on track again. i lose my train of thought if you interrupt me. But ask me after church. I don't mind telling you. If you say, well, Brother Kevin, what do you think about this? What do you think? I'll tell you what I think about it. But there's some things, I just want to say, there's some things that we need to leave alone because we have no, we have no biblical foundation for. And then there's other things that have been added that we have no biblical foundation for. I've been in, I was thinking a while ago while we were sitting there listening I've been coming to Newark to camp meetings for over 50 years. I've seen a lot of preachers come and go. I've seen a lot of people come and go. I've been through a lot of storms. We've had a lot of, we've had a whole lot of things that have gone on inside the church. And I've been in it since 1971. And some of you have been in longer than that. But I've seen a thing or two and I know what I'm talking about. I know I'm on course this morning. I don't know altogether who needs this. But we need to hear what God has to say. Amen. If you've got Bible for it, preach it with all your heart. Preach it with conviction. Stand by it. Thank God whether anybody likes it or don't like it. But if you've got to fabricate, leave it alone. It won't help the church. It won't help what you can 
con, <laughs> conjunct, con, I can't even say it. What you can concoct, that's a good old wheelbilly word. What you can concoct in your own mind don't really count. So Jude said there's people going to come in and they're going to they're do such a work that they, they, will, they will turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Amen. Do we believe that? Is that, is that real? Is that something that we need to consider today? Well, it certainly is. We, these false teachers would take God's grace and subtly twist it and manipulate it until finally it produces lasciviousness among God's people. Amen? All right. So, I know that you know it, but the word lasciviousness is a word that describes every conceivable strain of sin. Lasciviousness is a word that describes an individual without any moral discipline. I can't say these words without recognizing where I'm at in the world today. I mean, if there's ever a time when anybody lived that we are that kind of people, generally, certainly we're in the middle of it. This word lasciviousness describes or talks about it. It explains to us people who will have no moral standards. It means loose, runaway, passion, and lust. It is a word that lets us understand about lawlessness among professors of religion. People who have cast off all restraints. We have to be careful, saints of God. When we start enjoying liberty, we got to be sure that it's liberty that we find in the Word of God. Amen? Amen? We can, we can, we can develop an attitude or we can develop an appetite. We get a little bit of freedom, that feels so good, we want a little more, we want a little more, and pretty soon we're just doing whatever hits our mind. This word lasciviousness is a word that lets us recognize that there is a spirit, there was a spirit in Jude's day working through some people that would cause the Word of God to move to a place of no authority. The Word of God no longer would be the rule of the people of God. You have to choose your word so wisely, and I never was very good at that. We don't like to think about rule. We don't like, we don't like discipline. We don't like anything that has to do with a governor. We, we don't like that. We don't, those are words that are, uh, that are antiquated in our, in our thinking. 
But this word that Jude is using here, lasciviousness, is a word that describes all kind of filthy, degrading, lewd, ungodly behavior, obscene behavior. Now, Satan's goal for the church, Satan's goal for the church is to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. I read that to you, and you say, how is that possible? Just in a moment, I'll try my best to explain that. Jude says that there are men who have crept in unawares and their, their desire is to turn the grace of God, turn the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God. There is a move on and I can tell you that it did not end in Jude's day. It is reaching all the way to where you and I are today. The devil is out to get you and me to deny the Lord in some kind of way. Amen. Not deny, not deny the virgin birth. He's not interested in that. You have all the virgin birth you want. He's not denying that Jesus was God indeed. He wants us to deny his lordship. He wants us to say no to him. He wants us to make up our own rules. He wants us to decide what it is that we want to do, how we want to live, where we want to go. We don't want a Lord. There is a move today. There's a real move. I listen to what pastors are saying. Our revivals are uh, are, are uh, effected. We, our, our giving is effective. We have, we have problems filling certain slots Etc., etc., because people want to do whatever it is they want to do. Amen. And so we don't want to, we don't want a Lord. Now, this did not just happen overnight. It will not happen overnight. It, it is a situation where that, uh, where that there is a development. There's, there's things that begin to fall into place. We'll look at it quickly here. Uh, so Satan's goal again is to get the church to deny. Now I'm sure that we understand that we do not understand. I'm sure that we do not understand nor appreciate fully the grace of God that's given to us. The grace of God that's given to us. The Bible said in Ephesians chapter 2 that, uh, that we are saved by grace, right? Amen. So we say, well, okay, it's the unmerited favor of God. We did not deserve it. We're saved. We're saved because of the goodness of God. It wasn't what we did. It wasn't not anything that we done. It is because of God's goodness. God chose us. And uh, thank God he invited us through, through the gospel. God invited us through what Christ had done, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we, we either said yes or no. But of course, in our case, hopefully most of us said yes, and we became children of God. All right. So we're not saved by what we did, right? We're not saved because we worked hard. We're not saved because we were born in a certain family, born in a certain country. We are saved because of the grace of God, the goodness of God, right? Amen. Come on, stay with me here. Amen. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is not of yourself, lest anyone should boast. It is not of works, the Bible said, right? So we did not work. We did not deserve it. It was a free gift of God. We've been saved by grace through faith. Amen. 
There's no other way to get in. That's why, the, that's why Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. The gospel is the only thing that will save men and women from sin. Amen. There's no other story. There's nothing else you can tell. There's not anything else you can do. If you don't preach the gospel, if you don't tell it like it is from the word of God, then people won't get saved. They may become religious. They may join your church. They may start doing a lot of good things, but they will not be converted until they hear the gospel. It is through the foolishness of preaching. Preaching what? Not foolish preaching, but through what the world thinks is foolish preaching. The gospel of Jesus Christ, a man came and died and rose again, ascended back to heaven. What a story. But it is through that, it's through believing that, it's through the power that God has invested in that. That's why Paul said in Romans 1 and 16, Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Right? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation and I hope that somehow we, we appreciate uh, the, the power of the gospel. Now, the, the, true, the true biblical grace that we need to be walking in and we need to be enjoying day by day, and I, it, it hurt me when I thought about this, and I hope I haven't rambled too long, but uh, it hurt me when I thought about this, uh, about what God has done, what God has extended. God has God has extended to you and me a love, a love through his son that will change our life and alter our destiny. Amen. Paul says in writing to Titus in, in chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Amen. So the grace of God that brings salvation teaches us that we are to deny ungodliness, worldly lust. Amen. There's some evidence of real grace. Somebody say, well, I'm... In, I'm I'm living under the grace of God. I'm in the grace of God. Well, very kindly, I see a lot of people that, that, that would testify that way, but as far as the church is concerned, it would be a disgrace. Instead of being in grace, it would be a disgrace. Amen. And we, we pass it off. We pass it off. So, well, you know, they, they don't know much. They don't understand this. They don't understand that. Yeah, but we got to come back to the word of God, sweetheart, uh, let me tell you, when, when, when the grace of God begins to affect your life, there are immediate changes. Amen. Amen. Now, you don't know everything overnight, and you may not change everything overnight, but there are some noticeable changes right away. Amen. And I'll just tell you this, and it has nothing to do with the message, really. But if, if, but if, you're, not, if you're not growing in grace, if you're, not, if you're not pursuing a life of sanctification, I have great doubts about whether you're really justified or not. If you're not going after it, if you're not moving up, if you're not seeking God, if you're not growing, if you're not moving closer to God, if you're not being changed into the image that God intends us to be changed, then I don't, I don't know if you've been saved or not. 
Amen. If you if you've really been justified, you need to be seeking after sanctification. I'm not talking about two work, three work, four works. It's works, works, works all the way to the end. Amen. It's one work of God in our life after another. One work of God in our life after another. So Paul says here that the true, the true biblical grace that we need to be considering or that, or that the devil is trying to work on is a grace that will move us away from denying worldly lust, from denying godliness, from denying holiness, from denying the purity of life. That is the move that is on today. And it's on full time as you well know. This passage reveals here in second in Titus chapter two verse eleven, this reveals traits that real, true biblical grace will produce. It, it produces something. I believe that with all my heart. I believe there's a definite change that takes place. There, 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 there comes to be. There comes to be in everyone's life where the grace of God is working and we are yielding to that grace. There comes to be in every one of those lives a reverence for God, a reverence for the things of God. Amen. It's another bad message and I don't know. Another bad story, but I see people come to church, and, and they just look like they they look like they just dressed up for the little league game. Well, but what's what in the world is wrong? What's going on? You don't have to wear you don't have to wear a, a, a necktie to go to church, but I think you ought to clean up a little bit. Amen. I mean we're we're coming before the King of Kings. We're coming before the Lord of Lords. Amen. This is not just anything. Don't make any difference. Just flop in and flop around. Amen. God help us. God help us that we have some reverence and some respect when we come to the house of God. Amen. And don't you add nothing to what I just said. We'll play the tape on you if you do. <laughs> Amen. So when Jude says ungodly men will inf infiltrate the church, he's talking about men without reverence. And, I, and it's not the kind, not just what I was just mentioning, but people without reverence, people who take a lighthearted attitude towards sin and ungodliness and will teach the people of God that it doesn't really make much difference. You are covered by the grace of God. And if you turn on the television, you, you go crazy trying to find a preacher that's got enough of God in, in, in his life many times to say anything about sin. They're scared to death of their own shadow. We can't talk about sin. God is 
change his mind about sin. We're in a time where people have two, have two gods. There's, they look at the Bible and they see a God of the Old Testament and that God of the Old Testament said something and buddy he meant it and he'd get after you if you didn't do it. But this God in the New Testament doesn't mean anything. He said things, but it's just you just do the best you can with it. You don't have to pay too much attention to him. But it's just one God. Right? There's just one God. The same God in the Old Testament as God in the New Testament. And the, the good news is, and I'm not getting this over real well, but the good news is that the God of the New Testament has offered us grace. He's given us favor. Thank God. He's reached out to us and made a way that we can get right. Amen. He's... He has extended a loving hand so that we can turn. It is the goodness of God that lets us repent. The goodness of God, Paul said, leads to repentance. It's God's goodness. It is, it's, it's the love of God, the kindness of God. It's the care of God. It's the concern that God has for your never-dying soul that lets him call you to a place where you can repent. Now, now, the devil wants to remove all that. He, want, he wants to bring something into the church where we don't feel the need to repent. No need to repent now. But it's only through repentance that we can get right with God. Amen? You, you can't get right hiding your sin covering your sin, running from your sin, denying your sin. Now I hope there ain't nobody here this morning got any sin anywhere. I hope, I hope that's right. And I know that's a possibility, but I know it's pretty unlikely. And if there's any sin anywhere in your life, the only way you're going to get rid of it is to confess it to God. You're going, to have to, you're going to have to deal with God. You're going to have to come to the place where that you recognize, I have sinned. That's very hard. It's very hard. I'll, I'll hurry. It's very difficult on church people to get on their face and say, I've sinned. I'm not going to ask none of you, brethren, who, who, have, who have ever had to do that. Because I know that from where I'm at to where they are, everybody's done it. So I don't have to ask. If you, if you live for God very long, you've, there have been some place along the way where you've had to tell God, I'm sorry. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have went over there. I wish I wouldn't act like that. I wish I wouldn't have talked to that person like that. Oh, I know what we do. I, I know what we do. I've talked to some people, and, and I'm not telling you, uh, I, I don't want to get into that, but I've talked to some people who are scared to death where the Word of God where the word of God is very plain about sin. I'm not talking about something that I can think of, but the word of God is very plain. But the attitude is, well, if it's in the church, you got to be careful. You can't really, you, this is the attitude, not exactly what was said, but you got to be careful. You can't, you can't say it's sin. You know, we make so many.
I'm afraid we've come to a place where we're scared. We're scared. We, we make fun of certain denominations because they, they repent every day. They repent every day. We make fun of them. God help us. I ain't never going to do that again. Amen. Be better to repent every day than never to repent. <laughs> Amen. I mean, you can stick your tongue out to people take communion every Sunday, but it's better to take it every Sunday than never to take it. Amen. Amen. We got to be careful, saints of God. The devil, we, while we're judging and picking at everybody else in the world, there's a real devil that's after us as well. Amen. Amen. So uh, I, I, I don't mean to be mean to you. I love you. But I, there, we've come into a time where that, that people have been, they've been lulled to sleep to believe that there's no wrath in God. God, God doesn't get angry anymore. Why would God be angry with us? We're nice people. God should not be angry with us. Well, the Bible says that he's angry with the wicked every day. He's angry with the wicked. Sometimes we, we misunderstand the love of God. You say, well, God loves everybody. He loves everybody like this. 2,000 years ago, he gave his son. That's how God loves everybody. He's already demonstrated his love. God does not love everything everybody's doing in such a way that he turns his head, closes his ears, and stopped his eyes and all that. God sees what's going on and he is angry. He's angry with the wicked every day. And he's angry because he has extended grace. He's offered mercy and we've slapped his hand. We don't want to repent. We'd rather hide. We'd rather cover it. We'd rather deny it. We'd rather get the church to approve it. We get the church behind us. We'll be all right. Well, I'm telling you, there's a God in heaven that's looking down and no matter what the church says or does or thinks, God's word is still the final authority. Amen. Sin is not removed by hiding it. Adam couldn't hide and get rid of his. You can't hide and get rid of yours. Amen. There's only one way to get rid of sin. Jesus taught in Matthew 13, he said, repent or perish. That's it. Amen. Somebody told me many, many years ago, said, Preacher, you're too, you're too narrow-minded. You're not nar no, not narrow. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. It's like I don't make, the, I don't make it broad enough. It's, I, I, that's it's kind of narrow, but that wasn't exactly. <laughs> but it's, it's like you're too cut and dried. You just say, well, that's it. Yeah, this, this is how it is. Well, if the word of God says, if the word of God says, I, I don't know why we need to change. Amen. The word of God says, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. Right? If you cover your sin, don't expect to prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. All right. If we willingly, I want to emphasize this, if we willingly disregard the revealed word of God, 
And at the same time, now listen very carefully to the wording. If we willingly disregard the word of God and at the same time make claims of having fellowship with the holy God, there's something wrong. In John chapter 1, the Bible says, if we say, if we say, we have fellowship and walk in darkness, right? If we're walking in darkness and claiming to have fellowship with God, we're not telling the truth. Walking in darkness, walking in darkness. If it becomes your lifestyle, if that's what you're going after, if that's what you're pursuing, if that's the way you're living, there's no point in trying to convince people that you are having fellowship with God because God, light and darkness are, got, are not going to have fellowship together, as you well know. So Jude talks about turning the grace of God into lasciviousness, and, and the, way, the way it is, and I'll, I'll hurry, it's taken a long time, but the way, that this, the way that this happens is that there are teachings that are allowed inside the church, I don't mean here or even where you go, but in the church world, there are teachings that cause sin, disobedience to God, irreverence for the things of God to be a lighthearted thing. It's nothing to get excited about. God understands. God knows all about it. We're all under the grace of God. We don't have anything to fear. One person said to me face to face, if I was in sin, went into eternity without having time to pray, I have no fear because the grace of God is going to take care of that. I'm not God and I'm not trying to play God, but I'm going to tell you something. If I know anything about this book, this book says in order to get sin behind you, it has to be repented of. Until you repent, it's going to be on your back. You can hide it, but it's still on your record. You can deny it, but God still got it. The way it leaves the mind of God as far as condemnation is the time when we own ourselves. We admit what we have done and call on God for forgiveness. This is the beautiful, and I didn't get this like God gave it to me. I didn't, I didn't get it over. I know I didn't. Grace is a wonderful thing. Grace is God's, God's love. God providing a way for us to get out of trouble, out of sin, out of shame, to get, to get the wrongs of our past behind us. This is the grace of God. 
Now what the devil is trying to do is get you to a place where you don't want to confess, you don't want to admit, you want to hide it, you want to get the church to, to prop up what you're doing is wrong. And, and, and thereby the devil can hold you in your sin. But Jesus didn't come for us to live in sin, did he? No, thank God he come to deliver us from sin. He doesn't save us to go on sinning. He doesn't save us to go on just following the world, living any way that uh, the world is living. And I know that if you love God this morning, it's not your desire. I know it's not your desire to go after sin in the world if you love the Lord. Because there's been a tremendous change in you. The things that you used to hate the good things all at once you start loving now. And the bad things that you used to love now because of a change of nature, the bad things you loved, you now hate. You want to avoid that. You don't want to get involved in that. You don't want that to get, you don't want that to get into your life. This is the grace of God and we are seen, and uh, the song leader and the pianist can come. We're seen in our day. We are seen an awful abuse of the grace of God. God's grace that is given to call us, to restore us, to bless us, and yet that is being stolen right away from us. So he just people are being taught. You don't need to repent. You don't need to pray. You don't need to confess. You just go and do the best you can do. One person told me not long ago. So I went to a particular church for a year and a half. Not one time. Not one time in a year and a half did I hear them say anything about being saved or getting right with God. It just do the best you can do. Just be a good person. Be a good neighbor. Amen. Just just be good. There's a change. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming back after a church that's been changed. He's coming back after a people, thank God, that have turned away from sin and are doing their level best to live for the glory of God. I don't know. Well, I do. I think I could. I think I do know for many of you, that is exactly what you desire. That's what you want. Just don't, just don't pay much attention to this business that offers you grace that doesn't tend to holiness. If it doesn't head in the right direction. Amen. If it's not taking you away from sin and the world and the things that God's word plainly teaches for us to walk in. If it's not going in that direction, then say it's phony grace. It's not, it's not what we need to involve ourselves in. Let's stand. Father, we thank you for your word and Thank you for these people. They've been so patient to listen. And I pray that you'll somehow put together what we've tried to throw out this morning. We didn't quite get it said like we wanted, but we just ask God for your blessing here. We know we have preached to good people. We thank you for this congregation. Thank you for Brother uh, Bartlett, Sister Bartlett, and all the workers, Lord. What a, what a wonderful uh, place we have to come to here to enjoy fellowship and blessing and uh, and renewal, Lord. We come 
and we can be renewed. But I pray, God, that you'll help us wherever we are. We know there's a lot of small congregations that are represented in the course of a camp meeting. And I pray, God, that you'll help us to guard our own places, guard our own lives, and help us, Lord, that we would not be moved away from the sound teaching of your word. I'm praying, Father, that, that uh, as Jude said, that we may stick with the faith that was once delivered unto the saints. God bless, we pray, throughout the remainder of the day. We pray and prepare our minds and hearts, even for the service tonight, in Jesus' name, amen.